Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of the week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine, and with me today is... Retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli enjoying a Friday morning and a third cup of coffee. Good morning, Joe. This is our first episode of June, and I hope everyone is enjoying uh, good weather. And we'll get, uh, let's get right into this. My name is Raul Meza, and you're looking for me. That is the call that Austin police received from man who admitted to killing his roommate, as well as another woman in 2019. And now authorities believe he might be connected to up to 10 cold cases. Um, Meza had been convicted of murder back in the 80s, and now they are investigating him as a possible serial killer. Um, That's just got to be chilling, Frank, to receive that kind of call. Even as a detective, you're investigating these types of crimes, but then to to have the alleged killer call you up and say, yeah, I did it. Come find me. You know, it's scary that there are these monsters walking among us, number one. I mean, when you think about it, you could be out at the mall with your family, walking around, shopping, having a good time. And the guy that just brushed past you uh, has, you know, 15 skeletons buried somewhere and and nobody knows about it. And it's a scary thought. This guy, Meza, when you look at the article, way back in 1982, he gets convicted of murder. Uh, He goes to prison. He gets out in 2016. So now we've got seven years later. I I don't know where the detectives go with that immediately. Like, okay, did you kill all these people since you got out? Are they looking at crimes he committed before? But I mean, I think this is probably a big argument for, uh, you know, prison doesn't rehabilitate everybody if this guy went to prison for murder and he got out and here he is committing murder. And then he's going to call the cops and be like, hey, I think you're looking for me. Well, yeah, I really can't find you. Come walk into precinct. Let's talk about this. And, And you make a good point of trying to identify those individuals who you the system knows you, you can't re- rehabilitate have have deeper issues deeper problems and, and will continue to be threats to society and you know we said a long time ago until we can look into the human heart and read good or evil uh we 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 have to be reactionary we have to deal with it after the fact and unfortunately, some of these people, uh, you know, they get away with a, a lot of crime for a long time before they either make a mistake and get caught, or they, um, you know, turn themselves in, or they die, and then it's discovered after the fact. And I'm sure too, as an investigator, you have to kind of when you get a call like this. You're you're wondering too. Is this someone just looking for attention? How much of this is going to be a wild goose chase? Just is this legit, or is this the guy mm-hmm. that we're going to prove he didn't do it? But he's going to his name's going to be all over the newspaper. Um, and it, the scary part is that just might be how he's looking for a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, you you laugh, but it happens. I uh, yeah, I I know. Um, 
on to the next story and uh, really a, a terrifying piece of video, but also um, quite, quite honestly, I was just astounded by it. Uh, this is out of uh, Loudoun County, uh, Georgia. Uh, a, a, a accident, uh, uh, rolling troll truck um, at, a, at a crash scene, taking care of a business. Everything's fine when out of nowhere comes this speeding vehicle, drives up the ramp of the tow truck, clear over the cab of the tow truck, onto the highway, and, and striking a, just swiping another vehicle. If you see the video, I swear I was looking for Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise like Cannonball Runner smoking in the bandit because it is an amazing uh, just to see uh, the uh, a car going at that speed and clearing the the truck um and on top of it although the driver was seriously injured the passenger in the car only received minor injuries yeah but then and here's the really scary part there's a car seat in the back of the car and the right. deputies on the scene are now looking for a baby that's been ejected and nobody wants to find that. And thank God there wasn't one, but you know, you mentioned some movies. I looked at this and there's a scene in one of the lethal weapon movies where a guy <laughs> does exactly this. He goes up the ramp of the, the bed of a tow truck that's been lowered um, and uses a ramp and it's this whole chain reaction collision thing and people getting killed. And thank God nobody died here. But it is an amazing video to see. Um, it's amazing nobody was killed. Um, this Lowndes County deputy was hit by flying debris, but not hurt. That's that's another amazing. I mean, when people are going that fast, you get hit by a big enough chunk of debris and take your head oh, off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's this is just, and I hate to say this, this is just pure entertainment value that you can't find in any other profession except for the tow truck driver that was there and the ems people that were already on the scene if any you know this is just stuff you can't make up they, they have to stage this for television and movies and here it is in real life because you know people are stupid that's that's better uh stunt work than i've seen in most movies lately so i oh yeah I, and i i imagine if you're at the scene of that you're just dumbfounded because you, I mean, to to think that someone is going to just disregard everything that's going on and say, "Hey, I'm going to hit that ramp," and to go at the speed they have to go—that's that was that what boggles wonder, my was mind. Was this woman trying to commit suicide along with the passenger she had in her car, or I mean, what the hell's going on? She hit this thing going that fast, never saw it. Was she, you know, rubbernecking at the accident on the other side of the road and not paying attention? How in the world does this happen? Uh, or just. Hey, the, or what we saw is exactly the uh, the result that they wanted uh, was to, hey, let's see what would happen if I hit this ramp and, and if I fly over. Who knows? I know it was. This is what happens when you text and drive. No, just no texting and driving. <laughs> For our next story, again, we, we're, we're sticking, I guess, with the theme of, of terrifying video. This um, terrifying and tragic video um, from last month, a fatal shooting um, involving two Wisconsin police officers. Um, authorities released a body camera footage from the incident. Um, it, it shows two officers confronting a man um, who had um, 
basically been he was outfitted with the, uh, a rifle and um it it shows just how dangerous these kind of encounters can be um and just the chaos that can ensue once shots are fired well and you know we, we never know how things are going to evolve you never know when they're going to go sideways and and i'm not going to give away the next story we're going to talk about but the the fact that there's video of this and um you know the, these two police officers uh, we got to honor their memory, but they were shot and killed within a 45 second span. All right. So 45 seconds. That's how fast everything went completely sideways. Now, immediately the shooter uh, himself, the criminalist guy, Perry, um, he, he took some rounds. So good on the officers for returning fire. And he eventually died um, from one of the rounds that hit him in the leg. I'm thinking probably uh, an arterial hit and, and he uh -huh. bled out. I can't say I hope that's what it was. Uh, I don't have any. There's no mercy in me for people attack the police. And I, and I think anybody listening to this ought to understand that, given my 40 year history as a police officer. Um, but, you know, this is one of those things you just never know. People want to know how come the police officers acted so paranoid when they pulled me over? I was only speeding or I just ran a stop sign. They didn't have to act like I was some kind of killer. Well, the reality is we don't know that till we walk up and we meet you and we deal with you and we find out who you are and who you aren't. This is and this is the perfect example of why, because we could pull you over or pull over to help you if you're you know stopped on the side of the road and we think you're broken down. Guy gets out with a rifle and kills two police officers. But we shouldn't be, you know, worried or, uh, you know, careful, you know, that people get offended if, if we don't treat them with open arms and, and a friendly demeanor and a big smile. Well. It's hard to do that when you're wondering whether or not somebody's going to pop out of a trunk and shoot you. Uh, but keep this in mind that 45 seconds, these two police officers had no warning. And they and in 45 seconds, they were both dead. And um, I, I really want to keep that in mind when we talk about our our next article. But on this one, Joe, this this is um, this is a sad state of affairs. And, and there is a a a a part of the footage where um, one of the officers has been shot and through the body cam, you, you see the, the man, the suspect, the gunman advancing over and from the point of view of, of the body cam being on, on the ground and the gunman uh, standing over it's, it, it's, it's terrifying stuff. And I believe the report, um, described him as the epitome of evil um, well and again we don't know right we don't know we pull this guy over is he a good guy is he evil guy is he a sociopath who doesn't know the difference between right and wrong um is this uh somebody with an emotional or a mental disorder um i pulled over a woman once who kept insisting that she didn't actually she wasn't the one speeding um, it was her other one of her other personalities, and she actually had been diagnosed with a multiple personality disorder, and she denied being the person on her driver's license. And it it was completely strange how this woman was actually driving was beyond me because she truly did not believe she had committed an offense that it was one of the other people that inhabited her body. And we just don't know. No, no. On to our next story. Um, later this summer, uh, Baltimore County will be um, 
changing the process, their disciplinary process, excuse me, their disciplinary process for police. Uh, this summer, uh, civilians will be joining trial boards and there will be a new civilian committee tasked with making initial findings in use of force um, cases uh, for with officers. Uh, you're uh, in Maryland, Frank. Um, maybe you can give a, a little more perspective on some of these changes. So, you know, for a long time, we had something called the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights. Um, and recently it was done away with by our legislature under the guise of reform. Um, and, and this is where I want to reach back to that, that the article we just talked about, the videos of the two deputies you killed in 45 seconds. I don't have a problem. First off, I don't have a problem with civilian oversight committees or civilian review boards or police accountability boards or any of whatever name you want to call it. Okay. But I do truly believe that those civilians that are on those boards need to have and appreciate, they need to have an understanding and appreciate the risks and, and compressed timeframes wherein officers have to make decisions. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the TV show Blue Bloods, and there was a, a mm -hmm. point where the inspector general or state attorney general, whatever she was, she wanted to, to jam up one of the New York City police officers for, for murder on what was a good shooting. Um, and to try to impress upon her uh, how things could actually be, the police commissioner, um, a guy named Frank Reagan, played by Tom Selleck, again, I'm a huge fan, takes her and puts her through some simunitions training, some force-on-force force training to get her ramped up, to get her in that moment, to, to have her experience how quickly everything happens, how quick it can go wrong, and how bad her perception could be in the moment. And he makes his point. My challenge with the Baltimore County, and bear in mind, difference between Baltimore County and Baltimore City in Maryland. Baltimore City is an independent city. Um, Baltimore County itself is where who's going to have this new civilian oversight panel or, or deal, deal with things a different way. Uh, my county in Calvert County has a police accountability board. Um, I know the makeup of it. It's a happy mix. And they listen to the sheriff and his representatives. Um. Having civilians who are completely ignorant of law enforcement work, who don't know anything about law enforcement except what they've seen on TV and movies, that's a bad idea to have them on a civilian board, a review board. Put them through a Citizens Police Academy. Take them to the police academy and let them see what it's like to go through these force-on-force -force scenarios. Or take them step-by-step -step through a traffic stop. One that's gone right, one that's gone wrong. Show them videos like this one and break it down moment by moment for where they can see, okay, at, at that moment, this police officer had to make a choice, and he only had three-eighths of a second to make that choice, and it had to be the right choice, and it was still too late. They need to understand this. You know, they, they need to, I hate to say this, and I'm not, people get mad at me for bringing up George Floyd. There's an hour and a half's worth of video of the whole George Floyd incident. Let them sit down and be taking through that moment by moment and discuss what every behavior is and whatever reaction is talk about use of force matrices talk about escalation de-escalation talk about real threats physical threats perceived threats the impact of light the impact of a high heart rate the impact of auditory exclusion the impact of, of, of tunnel vision they have to be educated 
to be able to make good decisions about whether or not a use of force was justified or, or wasn't. Now, are they always 100% justified? No. Cops are people. We make mistakes. Are 99.9% .9 of them justified? Yes. Is that one-tenth of 1%? And that's probably an exaggeration. That's probably too much. That one-tenth of 1%, is that as bad as the media makes it out to be? No. These board members need to be vetted to make sure that they don't have an agenda to crucify the police. And you can bet there are people trying to get on these boards and all they want to do is crucify the police. I get off my soapbox. I think any profession, be it law enforcement, uh, medical um, journalists, um, when you have people from the outside looking at it, uh, the the reaction can always be, "Oh, you don't you don't get it, you don't understand." Um, and there's a there is a, a there's a a balancing act that needs to be done because there do, you. People, you do have to have that understanding of, of everything that you were pointing out, Frank. Uh, if you're that that outsider in, in, in looking at in trying to evaluate uh, what uh, what people in these this, these professions have done, uh, but at the same time, when you're you're a member of those professions, you you have to cut. That outside perspective can help because sometimes Absolutely. you get too mired into it and. But it's that balance, and I think that is the part that doesn't happen. That it it, it does become agenda or um, politically motivated. So here's uh, reality, though, and, and we we know this as instructors. We know this going through the academy. We know this if you've ever been operational. Eighty five percent plus of all learning happens after the fact, during the after action review, or during the evaluation process. Right. So. Put that in real world terms and you do a you you do a traffic stop and the traffic stop, everything goes right. And you have an instructor sitting in your car. And after this traffic stop is over, he says, OK, walk me through this piece by piece. Can you identify anything you did? Maybe not wrong, but that you could have done better. And sometimes that's all it is. They don't do anything wrong. Something they could have done better. The change of one word when you're talking to somebody who's amped up, who's angry, who's looking for a problem or looking for a fight or whatever, the difference between the words good and acceptable are the words victorious or survival. It just a single word can set somebody off. You don't know it until after the fact. So um, everything is easier to understand in hindsight, right? But mm -hmm. that that's not how police officers are judged. They're supposed to be judged on the information they had at the time they made the decision to execute a particular use of force. Everything learned after that is not applicable to any judgment of their judgment. It's as as, as I'm looking at this, it's 1021. And of course, I'm on the East Coast time. It's 1021 and 33 seconds. And I, I make a decision right now to execute a use of force. And it turns out to be good. It turns out to be bad. The review committee is going to have information from all the investigation that's done for the next six weeks. Well, that's all. That's nice. But I didn't have all that information. I had all the information available to me at 1021 and 33 seconds a.m. Eastern time, June 2nd. That's all I can be judged on. My judgment based on the information I had filtered through my perceptions at that moment. 
The danger of these review boards is agendas, number one, and uneducated people, number two. On to our next story. In California, a bill um, that would have elevated the standard for when a police canine could be released to bite someone um, was placed in the inactive file and is not uh, going to be moving forward uh, uh, this month or uh, excuse me, this year. Um, this had been a proposed legislation um, that would hold uh, the use of canines uh, to a to the same standards as um, uh, officers uh, are held to uh, when it comes to deadly force. Um, Frank, uh, talk to me a little bit about um, the use of canines in the field and, and, and what this bill could have uh, affected. So specifically understand we're talking about aggression trained uh, police canines, okay? We're not talking about uh, very friendly, Correct. very social bomb dogs or dogs trained to passively detect CDS uh, drugs or explosives or do article searches or any of that. We're talking about dogs specifically trained to, by command, bite and hold or bark and bay um, to scare people into submission or bite people into submission. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It depends on the circumstance and the situation, but the reality is that if you make it so time consuming to decide to deploy the dog you may have neutralized the dog's value and 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 you in, in other words making a decision so slow is deciding not to use the dog um right. if you have somebody with a knife and they're threatening people with that knife uh i can pull up and i can shoot them i can order them to drop the knife they don't drop the knife they sh they show a threat they articulate the threat. They have the means. They have the opportunity. Um, you know, I can shoot them, and their chances of survival are not great. Or a canine unit pulls up on that scene, and, and the canine handler deploys the dog to go bite the suspect, which may result in that suspect dropping the knife and then being arrested. And then instead of a dead suspect, we've got somebody who he might need a couple of stitches, uh, you might need a tetanus shot. I don't know what the treatment is. If you get dog bit by a dog that doesn't have rabies, I don't think clean it up and, and you know, bandage it. We're good to go. Uh, you know, he might have some bruised muscles. He might have a torn tendon. He's not going to have a couple of holes in his chest. And, and so there's a de-escalation there that people seem to ignore. People get afraid of dogs and they call that violence. I mean, in today's world, words are violent. That's not reality in law enforcement. Violence affects you. It impacts you. There's a physical connection with violence. Um, you know, we have people in our community who that dog barked at me and that's a threat and, and, and I feel intimidated and that's, you know, that's wrong. That's a violation of my rights because that dog scared me. Well, you walked up to a vehicle that said canine, stayed back, and then you knocked on the window and taunted the dog and the dog barked at you and now you want to complain at it. Let's get real. Uh, there, there are lots of instances where canines can be used justifiably, and it's a de-escalation of force, potential, a, a potential reduced use of force to deploy the dog. If you make it take too long, then it's never going to work. Um, they can be a phenomenal use in riot situations. They can be a phenomenal use in searches. They can be a phenomenal use. And when I say searches, I don't mean necessarily for people that are lost. I mean, like if you have a breaking and entering in a house, 
It takes three officers to go search the house at a minimum safely. And then they find somebody. They've got to arrest them. They got to go hands on. They're going to get have a fight. Depending on circumstances and the lighting conditions, there may be a, a potentially lethal use of force there. Person's armed, whatever, and they get shot. You send the dog in to search the house. Dog's going to find them pretty quick and easy. He's going to tell you where they're at and he's going to start barking his head off. And uh, if the person's got any sense at all, he'll decide, I really don't want to fight this dog. If he follows commands, the dog never touches him. So that's a de-escalation, a reduced use of force. Uh, I'm really glad to see that they they uh, shelf this in California. I know of other agencies have made it just so time-consuming to decide to deploy a dog because they're trying to avoid liability lawsuits. And this is very much driven by insurance companies. Um, and, and in response to minorities and communities, um, really interesting thing is the dogs don't see color. They see behavior and they hear commands. So uh, if you're accusing a, a, a police canine of a racial disparity, you're not accusing the dog of the disparity. You're accusing the police department and the handler of the disparity. And I have seen both a white female canine handler and a black female canine handler accused of the racist use of a police dog when the bites were 100% justified, 100% reduced use of force, uh, but the civil rights violation complaint cost the agencies millions of dollars. And it, it shouldn't happen. It's a sad state of affairs. We stay in the animal kingdom for our final story. Um, <laughs> Washu County deputies uh, in Lake Tahoe had an you know what? I'm not even going to probably say it's an unusual call. It, it It's probably par for the course out there. Um, a, a, a family had or homeowners had called about a bear found inside their vehicle. Um, I was just fascinated by how ingenious and inventive the deputies were with um, not only freeing the bear from using rope uh, uh, and to tie around uh, the door, the vehicle handle and open it. But they were able to free the bear and do it from a safe distance where no one was endangered. Um, and Frank, you and I were talking uh, before we started recording just how amazing what um, law enforcement officers in certain parts of the country have to train for and deal with that other officers have no idea of what that that must be like. Well, and this could have just as easily been a call in Cumberland, Maryland, or uh, Blacksburg, Virginia, or any place else where they have black bears. Personally, I'm impressed with the ingenuity and the genius of the bear. How the hell did he get in the vehicle? <laughs> Good um, point. But, but yeah, I mean, so these officers, they're, they're, you talk about expecting the unexpected. So your call today is a bear trapped in a car. You're not allowed to shoot it. There's nobody available to tranquilize it. And even if you do, you got to open the car first to get to the bear how do you open the car yeah they're smart well, how much rope have i got is 100 feet enough how about 500 feet i like 500 feet that's a good yeah. around the door handle and open the door and let the bear out cool how the hell did a bear get in the car I, again i'm still impressed with the ingenuity and genius of the bear but like you said officers and well in florida they train to handcuff alligators if I went to the police academy and I went in Maryland and they told me you have to learn how to handcuff alligators, I'd be like, I'm going to go find a different profession. I am not signing up to fight dinosaurs. I'm signing up to fight bad guys. You want me to handcuff an alligator? Nah, I'm out. I'm good. Thanks. Have a great day. I, you know, 
it, it yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Different different regions, different problems, different training, and and not at all what you expect. The 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 regional differences are highly entertaining. I mean, can you imagine teaming up a Texas Ranger with a New York City detective? I think that would be just hilarious to watch. I I believe that is uh that's your your TV series pitch uh, for the fall season. Actually, they've already done uh, that in Blue Bloods. That's where I got the idea. Okay. Sorry, but <laughs> yeah. Go. Well, that um, is that is all for us this week. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we hope you're back next week too. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the lineup. Please remember. The opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.